Hello, everyone. Welcome into Living Liberty Today. This is episode 45. I'm your host, Charlie Earl, and our title today is Bigger is Better, with a question mark at the end. Yes, bigger. Some things bigger are better. Some things are not. Let's take cost of living. It's bigger now, as we notice the uh, CPI index even has us creeping up, although we all know, as in most government uh, calculations or pronouncements or uh, revelations, uh, the CPI is much lower than the actual cost of living has become. Just as an example, the high price of lumber right now is making the cost of home ownership higher. And the resale of existing homes is amazingly high. So people find that they put a home up for sale because they're building a new one. And all of a sudden, the demand is phenomenal and they're selling their house quickly. But yet the cost of their new home has increased dramatically. So I guess it's a a net net, maybe a wash. But nevertheless, the anxiety level is extremely high as people are in transitioning from old to new or current to new. Uh, It's become uh, somewhat of a crapshoot out there. So bigger, it's not always better. When we take, uh, I recall back to Teddy Roosevelt and the Trust Busters. Um, I don't recall. I wasn't there. I recall reading about Teddy Roosevelt and the trust busting, but um, here we have now big tech and big media, which supposedly have, and theoretically and probably, I should add, have a ironclad grip on the way we communicate with one another. Um, some people are dismayed about the role of big media today and the impact they have. And I would agree to some level, but disagree at another. My area of agreement is that, yes, the Washington Post, the New York Times, the the three major broadcast networks and some of the cable networks do have an unnecessary uh, and I would say overzealous impact on how people think and what they think is important. The key thing you got to remember about media, particularly the so-called, quote, news media, is it's not exactly what they report and how they report it, although that is important when they do report news with biases. uh, That does have an impact on the people that observe or read the news. But what's even more important is their gatekeeping. What they decide to report on Uh, and what they decide not to report on. And that's where we're seeing some of the most glaring uh, deficiencies in our mass media as far as information sources today is that so many things that may have critical importance in our decision-making processes, political, cultural, personal, uh, are are not reported on, so we aren't getting a full-blown element of information that we need to make a good decision. And then when they do selectively report on some things, they do it with a bias that means that for those of us who are 
clearly critical and skeptical. We've got to sift through the biases. We've got to sort them out, get down to the bottom line, and make our own judgment about the value of the news that we've observed or read. So they do have a an ironclad grip on the overall knowledge base of our citizenry. Now, at some level, just about everybody in the political spectrum abhors those who pay no attention to news and media, who seem blissfully uninformed. But when you sit back and take a look at what's going on in the whole reporting process from the major media organizations, you just wonder if those people aren't the smart ones after all. They make their judgments based on common sense and virtue and historic levels of understanding. Well, that's some of them. Others just go with their gut, go with their carnal wishes and desires, and move on from there. So either way, it's a crapshoot coming out of it. Now let's look at high tech. Um, They're getting richer by the minute, and they're getting more obnoxious and arrogant by the second. Uh, They control what they allow us to share with others on the social media platforms. If they find something they object to, whether philosophically, politically, or arbitrarily, they cut them down and cut them out and limit their capabilities. They may kick them off the platform entirely, suspend them for a day or two or a week or a month, whatever. And that, to me, uh, uh, begs for some government involvement, even though I'm radically opposed to government involvement. So what's the answer? As they continue to grow and their stock values soar, and they're getting more and more power and influence over our lives. Uh, and, I, and I'm saying that collectively, even though I hesitate to use that word. They're having a great impact on our entire culture, nation, and people. So um, what does that mean? Well, does it mean that we want the government to come in and bust them up? No, I, I disagree with that. I wouldn't mind maybe seeing the the element 230 repealed so that they are no longer considered carriers, uh, but are people with content and editorial discretion, which means then that they can go ahead and do what they're doing, but they lose all their immunities and tax breaks as a result of it. So if they allow a falsehood to be printed or encourage a falsehood and it later is proven false, they may be subject to litigation. They're, they're being litigated now for a number of reasons, but with uh, uh, across-the-board uneven uh, results coming out of those types of things. But nevertheless, big tech does have an unnecessarily, how do I put it, I would say a almost an evil grasp on how we function within our culture and so forth. Now, let's... Uh, Let's add another element to that. We Remember we discussed last week briefly the hacking of the Colonial Pipeline in the eastern U.S., which affected fuel and heat supplies over there. Since then, we've had other hackings. We've had proof of it. And, and I would 
argue or assume that we probably had a lot more hackings and a lot more invasions, digital invasions, into various aspects of our lives that we aren't aware of. And that if government is aware of it, it's not telling us because it doesn't want to alarm us even further, although government does use fear as a control mechanism. In some cases, they hide uh, violations of our privacy rights and our ability to communicate with one another so that we don't necessarily or unnecessarily, in their view, panic and seek other sources outside of the vulnerable ones that we're dealing with now. But I would, I would assume that we've gotten a lot more hackings than have been revealed to us and probably in areas a lot more sensitive and important uh, than we know about. So that leads me to another step going on. Our electrical grid has been proven through hackings and ransomware and things of that nature has a level of vulnerability uh, that is alarming. And yes, we are vulnerable to digital invasion, shutdowns, and all kinds of aspects that could really affect our electrical grid uh, on the negative end of it. But add to that the possibility of a solar flare, which could come down and just fry a lot of the grid, uh, at least a, a portion of it. And then add to that the possibility, the capability of an electromagnetic pulse uh, from a hostile nation with hostile intent. Now, does that seem likely or unlikely? Because clearly that would be an act of war. But on the other hand, it's difficult to fight a war when so many of your armed systems and control mechanisms are fried or incapable of functioning properly, it does weaken you militarily as well as devastatingly uh, destroying your economy and your culture and your capability for survival. I guess what I'm saying is if an EMP attack were to occur, and we remember we wouldn't see it, it would be above the clouds and it would basically just use a magnetic pulse to fry all of our electronics. Uh, our capability for communicating would be nil. Our computers would be worthless as lips on a chicken. Our telephone systems would be knocked out and knocked down. Um, anything with electronics in it would be in, in trouble. You might go back to electrical systems, which may be safe, uh, the jury's still out on some of that, and part of it would depend on the nature of the EMP. But nevertheless, we could be totally dropped to our knees in seconds, nationwide. And uh, so not only are we militarily vulnerable under those circumstances, um, we would lose a lot of people through starvation or freezing or overheating or whatever, name whatever aspect electricity affects in people's lives. And certainly if you had an all-electric vehicle fleet, you'd be SOL, and I'm not going to tell you what that means. You should know by now. Let's put it this way. You'd be under a pile of dung uh, hoping for better days. So, you know, while people promote electric vehicles, and we've 
we've seen various studies that say they aren't all that efficient because it still takes coal and and fossil fuels to generate the power to charge the electric vehicles. I'm just concerned it adds another level of vulnerability to us as a society, as a nation, maybe as a globe uh, going forward. And while progress is great, uh, it's not infallible. So uh, anyway, so I got some articles I want to recommend to you that I read this week you may find useful. One from um, June 6th, last Sunday, on Breitbart. And I realize Breitbart may be considered by some as a biased outlet, and it may be. Nevertheless, you sometimes, depending on the bias of the Washington Post, the New York Times, or Breitbart, whatever, uh, you still find some nuggets of reality or some glimmers of truth in there. This one was by Alexander Marlowe on June 6th on Breitbart. And he basically writes, as it's become clear in recent weeks, the established media in Silicon Valley, masters of the universe, were not really diligent or interested in reporting accurately on the COVID-19 thing. There's another cluster and a mess. But what the COVID has done, I think for me at least, in the sense that I've always been skeptical and mistrustful of government. It has brought a whole lot of other people into my realm of not trusting what government says and so forth. Then Bill Bonner on Friday had an article called The Elite Heist, and he talked about how, or writes about, how inflation uh, is making the rich richer and making the rest of us poorer. And that's certainly true, and we discussed that briefly at the beginning. Uh, but it's just something you may want to consider as I pull my glasses on here because I got one more article I want to tell you about before we close. That was on Microsoft News and from the Washington Post, and it talked about the G7 countries reach agreement on the 15% corporate tax anytime, anytime. Governments agree on something that affects individuals and corporations. You want to grab your ankles because it's a bad day. Well, that's Living Liberty Today. Uh, Remember, bigger is not always better. I'm your host, Charlie Earl. Remember, live free, be free, and stay free.